Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. And of course, yes, your team every day. This is the Locked On Browns podcast. Your host here, Jeff Lloyd. Uh, guys, Instagram, whether it is the Locked On NFL Net account there, whether it's Twitter, the Locked On NFL Net account there. Um, guys, uh, if you're looking for some other things to listen to here as we go through the playoffs, every team is uh, you know funneled to those accounts. The draft shows, the fantasy shows, anything you're looking for, the Locked On NFL podcast with Matt Williamson also funneled through there. Uh, follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Follow the Locked On Browns Twitter account. Always keep it a we always keep it a follow back account. It's a great way to keep you know the interactions going with you guys. Um, look, guys, the one thing I can see though is now that the season is officially over, you guys are still hungry and looking forward to the content. And look, we nothing's going to change. Uh, you know, it's going to be changed what we talk about, the topics we hit on. Um, obviously, we don't have any game action right now, but we're still going to come. You know, with the same energy, the same amount of shows per week. Um, you know, I wanted to record tonight. Uh, Pete Smith has always wanted to jump on a record. We've got a solid mailbag episode here with a bunch of questions, some draft-related, some, you know, coaching change, uh, you know, all of that stuff. But uh, first things first, Pete, again, uh, Pete, uh, appreciate for all the help th- during the 18 regular season. But Happy New Year, bud. How the Bulls game looking today? Uh, they were uh, good for a while. I mean, the, 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 they were a lot of fun. It just... The thing is that all of them seem to be marred by like either weird handling of injuries or awful or questionable officiating. Like UCF LSU was a lot of fun. Uh, I wish Mackenzie Melton was healthy for it, but like it seemed like half of LSU's defense was either not playing to begin with or got tossed. Uh, you had <laughs> the, a, a kid seemed to get concussed uh, and then come back in for I believe, was a Mississippi State. Uh, and then, uh, obviously Trace, Trace McSorley playing on something with his foot. Uh, but I mean, the, the games are pretty good. I mean, I, I'm happy for Iowa. That was a, you know, a really nice win for them because it did not look like it was going to go that way early. Uh, but you know, like New Year's Day games feel, have less meaning than maybe oh they my used God. to. Oh, New but- Year's Day used to be the day. I mean, you know, you got up early, made sure you had food to tie you over from noon till damn near midnight, and it's just not because these are not the significant bowl games anymore. Yeah, I mean, like it was a lot of fun, you know, even like the Outback Bowl, and and those games were good. It's just less meaningful, more just sort of fun, which is fine, but it's just different. And then, of course, you know, you have some teams where nobody's playing or whatever, um, you know. But hey, I mean, one thing for you know, Kentucky. For a school like that, uh, you can't tell them that New Year's Day didn't mean anything. Kentucky to be playing in a college football game on January 1st, enough said. But to actually go ahead and pull out the win and seeing Stoops in there, uh, you know, trying to do his best to dance big, with his players. Big, big day for Cincinnati high schools because that is almost that entire team is from Cincinnati in one form or another, including their tailback. Except for the top five pass rusher, Pete. Because he's from Jersey, but hey, we'll let that one slide. As always, we I, I'm always going to support guys getting out. Yes, yes, and as we always mention to Pete, there's not much difference between Ohio and New Jersey, other than the fact that one's got a big, big lake and river. I'm sorry, one yes, one near a big lake and river, and the other one's got an ocean. Uh, we're going to get in here to the mailbag stuff, uh, guys. Um, this is actually a simple one uh, to start off with, and this is one we've kind of talked about. Um, is Seth the Valve? a member of the Cleveland Browns next year. Any clue what happened to him this season? Pete, I'll let you go first. 
Um, I don't know the answer to that. Other than, I mean, obviously he was hurt. He had a thigh issue that held him out a long time. Uh, and I'm wondering, I mean, this is a complete guess. I'm wondering if he sort of got, it, quote, first lost in the shuffle and then second, basically regarded as soft by this coaching staff and sort of forgotten. But because it's frustrating, when he's on the field, he's like, he, he's good. Like he does things. And, and to his credit, I think they got more of a role for him as the season went on, especially when uh, Todd, uh, Freddie, all the all the kitchens showed up. Uh, he he got more of a role. They ran a lot of those three tight end sets, uh, and then uh, after Orson Charles went down, he, he became sort of a fullback. Um, I, I my guess it, it right now would be to say it's dubious that he's on the roster next year. My hope is that it will be if if that's the case, it's because they brought in another tight end. This class is ridiculously deep at tight end, and he was simply beaten out for it. And it's Njoku, another year of uh, the playmaker, Darren Fells, and then somebody else has earned it. Or maybe they keep four uh, in one form or another and, and just, you know, found more playmakers at that spot. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it looks good for him, but he's always going to be sort of an enigma and a mystery of, you know, the what could have been type guys. Exactly. I mean, he reeks of a guy that could go to Philly and catch 50 balls easy. <coughs> My thing with that, uh, with Seth Valve is I think the injuries kind of got him put on the back burner. And then there's still the theory of John Dorsey and, you know, he's going to move on from some guys that were not his. Uh, look, you're not going to move on from the number one picks who are performing like they are. <clears throat> but I do think Seth DeValve is in a tough situation. And the fact that it's going to be a loaded draft class, the fact that Darren Fells is really good in his role, the fact that David Njoku is just scratching the surface, uh, scratching the surface and being an upper echelon tight end. I do think Seth DeValve is in a tough spot here. But also, here's the other thing, though. As you, know, you move into 19, you're going to just bring guys in because you're going to try to get the best out of each positional group. That could end up you know, hurting Seth DeValve. Also, the fact that, you know, you're going to have to look at this now sort of in numbers of, you know, special teams play. Um, a sixth wide receiver as opposed to a fourth tight end. Who's better on your coverage units? Most of the time it's going to be a wide receiver in that nature. Set the valve can be in a tough spot. Um, I, I have no doubts that set the valve would be able to move on and there would be a number of teams who would be thrilled to have him. But, yeah, set the valve could be in a very, very tough spot as we move forward here. And, look, for me, I like the guy. It's not a move I would make, but I, I can kind of understand it if you're looking at it now where you're only replacing maybe 8 to 10 players on your roster as opposed to last year when you turned over 31. Well, I mean, look, teams just turn over. I mean, there's just, you know, like everybody gets caught up in the number, oh, they, they replace 31 guys. Like most of those guys tend to be in that special teams, you know, one-year contract type dude or undrafted free agent guys that were sort of there type stuff. But – what I would say in general is if they do move on from Seth the Valve, that is another step forward to being a big boy franchise. You have guys who have shown some stuff but haven't sort of gotten over the hump or whatever it is, and another, and other teams are going to be out there, you know, uh, going for him. And, and, I, and I don't know if you're going to see, you know, him go to a team and then suddenly be like Carl Nassib was this year, but that's – where this team is going, that players they get rid of 
other teams want. And and the uh, the other flip side of this is when other teams cut guys, it's not an assum- immediate assumption. Well, well, the Browns got to get this guy because they don't have anything. Like they are in a position where, you know, they they are good enough where they can get rid of guys who can probably play for other teams and not be desperate enough to need everybody. Exactly, and you know that's what we're saying here. There's going to be guys that are going to be cut, and if you guys remember the guys who were cut this year. Um, you know, they moved on and, and they found homes and, you know, that is a statement on to your roster quality. And when you can only keep 53 and you're not going to be able to stay certain guys on a practice squad, it's going to happen. You're going to move, you're, you're going to have to let good talent move on. Um, this is one we probably did, uh, talked about in the last couple of weeks here. Um, and this is, uh, I'm concerned with the new coach will mean a new change in defensive philosophy and scheme. And this is going back to the three, four philosophy. You know, if, you know, whoever would possibly take this over would look to you know, revisit this team in that avenue. And we've gone over this, Pete. It, 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 there's things that look okay, but it would be a tremendous, tremendous overhaul to this defense if you were going to take it from 4-3 to 3-4 and your best and most dynamic piece in Miles Garrett, you don't want him playing, uh, you know, <laughs> playing in a 3-4 defensive scheme. I mean, I would say no, but at the same time, if you watch the Browns, especially like this past week, that's what they did. I mean, they they ran. I mean, it was a lot of bare front, especially late in the second half. And a little but, five-two look almost where they went yeah. you know, really heavy on the front line. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's the same deal. I mean, all, all it really ends up doing, and I'm not saying I like this, is you stand up Miles Garrett, Manuel Ogba slides out to a five, Larry Ogunjobi goes from a one to a zero, and you. You know, you, you put either Gennard Avery at the outside linebacker or whatever. It just becomes a mat. All it does is slightly change what you're already doing. I, personally, I don't think that helps the Browns any. But at the same time, if it's, you know, just using this as an example, not saying he's the guy they need to hire, though I liked him when he was here, is Mike Pettin. He ran what was technically a 3-4. But it was a 0, a 3, a 5, and then a 9 which was technically standing up. And in this case, you know, that nine is Miles Garrett and he could have his hand on the ground or he could may not. It's just a question of what you want to call things at that point. And, and so, I mean, it's, uh, let's put it this way. If you can't figure out a way to utilize what the Browns have on defense, then you're not the right guy anyway. So that's sort of the larger point here. But to, to me, it's just so, so difficult to 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 really matter to me it's just a honestly it's just a question of labels uh i mean you could do everything a three four would do and just have miles put his hand on the ground and you you get in the same result so i'm not too worried about it i understand why it's a concern like personally i'd rather they just get another freaking you know three technique keep okanjobi at the nose uh, miles at right end and and they get another you know uh, a more dynamic presence on the left, whether that's uh, somebody replacing Ogba and moving him inside or Ogba gets healthier, whatever. That's the easiest thing. And, and I think it works better with their skill sets. The only real argument against it is, is saying Larry Ogunjobi is probably not ideally suited to be a true zero. That's, you know, he, he's more, he can certainly take on a, a double team and he can certainly, you know, get his hands on the center and drive him to the backfield. But the fact that when he plays half a man, he can also do those things where he gets to be quick, quick uh, snip right through the hole and make those plays. That's, you know, that's the, the versatility he brings. And I'd hate to take that away from him. Exactly. But ultimately, Nickel, let's be honest, Nickel ends up being a four-man front anyway. Like, that's really what matters. 
And you're going to play that more than 50% of the time. Yeah. But Larry Ogunjobi, you're taking away from what makes him as great as he is. I mean, sure, could he be an absorber of blocks? That's fine. But, you know, you have this guy who's just scratching the surface as a player and is able to make so many plays due to his quickness and his, you know, you know, quick at a stance to strength and, and, and push people back and divide people. It, it doesn't make sense. And like Pete said, I do agree with this. If you're looking at this defense and saying, oh, well, I'd like to shift around the alignments and how we do it, then maybe you aren't the right guy. You should be looking at this defense and saying, oh, well, you run 16-17 deep. If we can get this to 19-20, this defense is freaking unstoppable. And that's probably more the approach you're going to take when you look at this defense. Uh, next one here. Um, what has Kitchens done to protect Baker so well, and is it sustainable, Pete? Well, first, he, he benched uh, Desmond Harrison, who couldn't play dead. Uh, he, 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 he corrected the wrong. Um, but a lot of this is Baker Mayfield uh, simply understands how to manipulate the pocket, understands how to uh, sort of uh, take advantage of where the protections could create holes. And I think a lot of that is actually credit to the offensive line that they sort of understand what Baker's going to be best at. And naturally, that usually ends up being the tackles let guys sort of run up the field a little bit, let them get outside. Baker's a guy who's more inclined to step up, so the interior tends to stay, you know, inside if they can, uh, and and sort of take away the 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 ability to have him get sort of pinched down. He steps in the pocket, can see what's going on in front of him. That's sort of where he's at his best. I mean, certainly you see examples of this. Uh, if he has to adjust and roll, he can certainly go to his right. Uh, certainly willing to go to his left, though not as good, but. You know, that's a, a lot of that just comes down to the quarterback understands what the offensive line is trying to do, and the offensive line understands what this quarterback wants to do. But they also have some really good players. I mean, those three guys in the middle are great. Uh, you know, J.C. Treader obviously gets a ton of credit for playing what he played through, but I also think he was just better this year, even with it. Um, I think, I Greg think also, Robinson, Well, I think one of the things is having the ultimate confidence into the guy to your left and to your right where you don't have to worry about what the other guy's doing. As long as you do what you're supposed to do, you know the other guys are going to get it done. Right. And, and whatever you don't like about Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard, they tend to be, whatever their weakness is, the same way. So at least you, for the most part, unless, he, unless like with Greg where he just gets beaten clean, you tend to know where he's going to fail, if he's going to fail, which also helps. So, again, it's, it's a lot of knowing – uh, who you are and, and, and who you're working with. But the other part is, look, Baker, a lot of it is just Baker gets the ball out of his hands. Uh, you know, part of what he does to frustrate pass rushes is he doesn't hold on to the ball. And then when he does, he makes them pay for it. So it's, you know, it, it's just a, a lot of Baker Mayfield being a special player and the quarterback being just such an integral part of what pass protection really is. Well, I also think, and I'll, I'll go back to the you know the touchdown pass where you know uh, the long one where Baker hit Jarvis Landry against the Carolina Panthers. Understanding the guys you're playing with weaknesses, you know Greg Robinson did a great job. If he was going to get beat, you had to go outside of him. Baker Mayfield on that took a step up, you know took three four steps to the left because he knew there was nobody there. Was able to get himself set, and this is what you get with an in- intelligent quarterback with Baker. And this went back to the earliest part of the preseason. You saw where he knew the escape angles were. He ran a little bit more in the preseason than he did in the regular season. 
He was intelligent enough to realize where the pressure was going to come from and where the back door in the escape route was. And But this is what you get with solid, good quarterback play. And look, I can understand. It's going to take a little while to get used to. It's it's not been a thing of the norm here in Cleveland. This is Locked On Browns here. Uh, mailbag episode, episode 320 here. Pete Smith, uh, kind enough to join us here. Going to take you know take a bunch of listener questions here. Going through what you guys have, you know, whether it was, you know, as the season closed, you know, draft stuff, some early free agent stuff. Obviously, we've got a couple of questions here. Coach-wise, we already talked about whether or not it's going to go to an odd front or stay an even front. What's the best avenue to protect there? But uh, the Locked On NFL podcast with Matt Williamson. Uh, great uh, Monday through Friday lineup. Monday, you get hosts of, you know, the team-specific shows such as myself. Tuesdays, you get Sage Rosenfels. Wednesday, you get Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. Thursdays, Mike Sander from ESPN joins him. Friday, uh, Matt sits down, gives you his game picks for the week. You go ahead and, you know, use those. It will give you the MyBookie ad a little bit later. Go ahead and contribute, you know, uh, combine that with the MyBookie.com. Uh, and, you know, place your wagers in. Guys, it's a lot easier to bet, in my opinion, on the playoff games over the weekend. It's a little easier when you're just, you know, specific four games, you know, specific and, and just focusing in on those you know, as opposed to a full 16-game slate or 13-whatever due to, you know, bye weeks or whatsoever. But the Lockdown NFL Podcast with Matt Williamson. Guys, go ahead, get into the rotation. Now, next one here, Pete, is the cornerback position. Um, I, I do think this is twofold, but we'll just, you know, I mean, you know, uh, give it to you the way it is. Um, when will the Browns select a cornerback, whether it would be draft or whether it be free agency, you know, the importance of it? And does Howard Wilson have a chance to actually make this team next year despite his consecutive years with ending injuries? Um, I'm going to start with this one. The Howard Wilson one, Pete, first off, it, it's tough. Now we're talking, you know, another regime ago. Um, the injuries could be absolutely devastating. Um, I don't see a way they're just going to move on with him from now. I mean, he'll have his chance to go through OTAs if he's healthy in training camp and all that stuff. I mean, and if he plays lights out, sure, he's got a shot. But I, I don't think anybody in the front office in Berea is counting on Howard Wilson being a part of this team going forward. I don't think Howard Wilson will ever play it down in the NFL. The nature of the injuries he's had are awful, and they do not have good results. And he hasn't played in two years. He's never actually put on a uniform for the Browns, which is incredibly sad. And I honestly, I would hope they find some way to sort of, you know, do something about that uh, if if that's ultimately what's going to happen with this. Um, but, you know, I hope I'm wrong and I hope he can, you know, continue to have a career. But that's my bet. You've never heard one word about it. In fact, I've heard more about Ricardo Lewis, who seems very positive about his yep. uh, uh, continued career. Uh, and we're talking a tw- neck. And we're talking a neck. Yes, right. Like he's talking about, he got good news from the doctor. He's excited for the offseason. I've yet to hear one word about Hard Wilson. My guess is he retires. Um, but that's you know that it's just what it is. Um, as for cornerback in general, I if you ask me this halfway through the season, and and I'm sure we we, we, we co- covered this, um, <laughs> I would have said cornerback was a much bigger priority than it is now i am like i know there are people who are like worried about denzel ward you cannot turn around and take a first round pick to ensure the first round pick you took last year first i don't think people understand how concussions work uh and it's a thing that is constantly evolving so it's easy to get behind on it but i don't think it's a situation where the browns are you know so they're going, oh, man, we, we got to worry about his career. Certainly, he has to be smarter. He has to play with better form. He has to do things like try to strengthen his neck. 
Uh, and those things, he can he can do things like uh, uh, look into the type of mouth guard he uses. There's certainly a lot that can do to help with that shock absorber because what tends to happen with those hits is it reverberates from the top of your head right into your jaw. And if you've got a better mouthpiece than like, you know, basically a cheap piece of crap, it absorbs more of that force because then what happens is that bounces back up, whatever's left, back up into your head. So you can sort of do things with that type of stuff, which is why if you are ever if like if you are somebody who has a kid who's listening to this pod who plays youth, I don't recommend playing youth. I'd say wait till high school or high school and you have the opportunity to go to a dentist and get fitted for a mouthpiece, do it. That is the best thing you can do to help your kid in terms of concussions and everything else. Uh, obviously, he can do things with the helmet, equipment stuff, but ultimately it's going to come down to tackling better, more effectively, and taking it seriously. Like the the failure he had that got him concussed the second time had nothing to do with technique. It was the complete absence of technique. It was a lazy tackle. He got drilled by a much bigger man who had leverage on him, and that tends to be what happened. If he just positioned himself correctly, he'd been fine uh, and knocked the dude out of bounds. Uh, larger picture. Again, halfway through the season, TJ Carey had me very terrified. Now I think he's a nice matchup corner. I don't think that me- you have to say he's a slot only. I think if you play teams that have a big guy – on the outside, he can go cover that big guy on the outside or a guy who doesn't like to get pressed. And I know there are people who don't like how handsy he is and how grabby he is. That's exactly what the Browns should like about him. That's what the Seahawks have thrived on for years is that crap because eventually the they draft stop turning it. sticky. Yes. And and uh, to me, I think he's far cleaner than, than people give him credit for. But – Yes, that is the Seahawks. I'm, I'm like watching him this year. I'm now surprised they didn't sign him because he's that to a T. But he frustrates the crap out of big guys uh, who can't, you know, just juke him like an Antonio Brown could. Uh, he frustrated Julio Jones. He frustrated guys uh, like in the Broncos game. Like Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas. He got in his head. He like he just is a pain in the ass in the best possible way. And then the other part of this is if you looked at the beginning of the season, Terrence Mitchell was like a stud. Like he really put a stamp on this defense in terms of what the attitude was on the defense. It was a lot of guys who hit hard, uh, hit smart, and then took the ball away. And obviously the turnovers fell off a little bit as the season rolled on. But that's really where that started, where, where he would just – it wasn't even interceptions or pass breakups. It was tackling a dude and just ripping the ball out. Uh, and I think he's a very good cover corner. So if you're saying, well, I've got to take a corner super early, like to what end? Like are you trying to take one of those three guys off the field or are you content with the guy who's not going to play? So certainly you can look to address corner in free agency. I still would – talk to EJ Gaines. I don't know what his status is going to be going forward, but he was a fantastic fit here in terms of the style they want to play, the way he plays. I think Calhoun, after initially being thrown away, almost came back and had a great season. He's a restricted free agent. I think he should be an absolute guy they resign because not only can he play corner, he can also be a a, uh, backup safety. So, 
I understand where people are sort of like, one, you can't have too many corners. I agree. But at the same time, the Browns have a lot of really good corners. So I'm not worried. And I look at it as, would I rather replace what is probably a pretty good corner or would I rather replace what is a clearly a bad defensive lineman or potentially a, you know, a, a receiver or a linebacker or a tight end or whatever it is, there's just better places for them to use their assets. Now, there are situations where they could find the value is just too good. And they say, look, he's staring us in the face. We've got this guy rated this high. The next guy's rated, you know, 20 spots lower on our board. We're going to take him. That that may happen. That there, there's no that that can happen. That could be a thing that they run into. But just in a vacuum, if you're saying, what do we want to address? Corner is not really that big of a deal to me. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think Calhoun would be a key here. Um, if you do end up re-signing him, uh, his play is invaluable. And if you do end up, you know, a little bit injured, you can go the route like you did versus Tampa Bay, where Demarius Randall can play the big wide receiver, keep him in front of him all day, and not let him beat you. Uh, you know, Mike Evans had a great day that day. Didn't score any touchdowns. He was not the reason that the Cleveland Browns lost that day. Um, that was on the old regime, but that's a different story for another day. So if you want to say maybe how would you address the cornerback position, a day three pick on you know a, a long athletic guy who needs time that you can maybe sneak onto a practice squad, but uh, you know if you're you know if Calhoun comes back you're four deep already at the position. EJ Gaines, Philip Gaines, uh, Tavier Thomas, uh, you're talking about one of those guys maybe being your fifth corner. So maybe there really isn't a spot here. Um, look, a lot of this is going to play out, but this is the joy of doing the show at where it is, and we're going to answer it based on now. Um, but, you know, Body Cal- Bodie Calhoun comes back. It, it, it's a position that really goes far, far down on, you know, the need scale. Um, uh, what, what, the, the, the one other thing is is don't forget special teams. And the guy who has been a just a great pickup late in the year was Tavier Thomas. Absolutely. Well, it wasn't even late. It wasn't even late. But go ahead. But he, especially the last month, month and a half. Seemed to really get it. He's been down the field covering kicks. Like, don't get me wrong. Infamous Amos has got to go. But uh, he is one guy where you're at least going, you know, the next special teams coach, whoever that is, has got to be like, eh, this may be a guy to keep around. And at some point, you know, you may not be looking at it as we need another corner. We need another guy to do this in the same way that you might look at a sixth receiver if they go that route uh, as a special teams guy. Like that at some point does become a consideration. Okay. Now we're going to move on here. Uh, Dale Harris. Um, His first one uh, was related to Eric Biennemi. Look, I I still love the thought of Eric Biennemi. Do I think that maybe you can't bring in Eric Biennemi now because Freddie Kitchens Kitchens has shown you what he's shown you? Yeah, I think that might be a tough spot. Um, Eric Biennemi may get some, uh, looks like some possibility talk with the Jets. But I, I think to bring in a guy who hasn't called plays and only is an offensive coordinator where you've got eight games of what Freddie did, yeah, I mean, as much as I liked Eric Bieniemy, he was a guy I was pushing. If it comes down to Freddie or Eric Bieniemy, I, I know what I've got in Freddie. So that kind of maybe you moves Bieniemy out of you know a spotlight for me, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing, you know, I have zero issue with naming that. Pete, I'll go with this one here. Follow-up, um, I think we're all Kitchens fans. If somehow it didn't work out, what would be something that you would find appealing after Freddie? 
Oh, that's, that's the thing. It's just it's it's so hard with so little information because like well, a guy that's like even the thing. Like I mean, you talk about oh, we want to we want to talk with the offensive coordinator from the Vikings. Well, it's, oh, wow, well, you guys went from the soup. You guys went from the uh, you know NFC Championship game to in the same place we are right now. Like so, like a guy like Bienemy is interesting, and and honestly, I would still be surprised if they don't interview him because look, uh, other than Josh McDaniels and uh, Adam Gase. Um, it seems like they're interviewing everybody who's under the sun. No so, stone unturned. The damn for stats are damn sure. Which I'm a hundred percent in favor of. As I've said all along, I, I want you know even if if it's ultimately to come back to Greg Williams or Freddie Kitchen, I just want them to be say we have talked to all these guys and it did nothing but reinforce the fact that we believe in this coach. Um, like. I am somewhat at least intrigued by the idea of Mike McCarthy. I don't like it if it's like Mike McCarthy gets hired. He's bringing Joe Philbin or uh, weird porn stash guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, Ma- uh, McAdoo. Yeah, if it's like we're just going to get the band back together in Cleveland, then I'm not interested. If it's like... You know, Mike McCarthy's coming, and he wants to add, you know, you know, an offensive coordinator. And it doesn't have to be Kitchens. Let's be clear. I think, I think if it's not uh, in house, I, I tend to think that the Kitchens is going to be gone. But if you basically took take it as Mike McCarthy saying, well, he wants to bring in this guy because he thinks it fits. Baker Mayfield, and he wants to do a different type of offense. He's going to evolve in the way that you know a, a coach like Sean Payton has, or some of these other guys. It's difficult to ignore the record. It's difficult to ignore the Super Bowl. I understand the Aaron Rodgers thing, and I understand they've regressed, and I understand that there's there's an element where the the players seem to have just gotten tired of him uh, on some level, and and some of that just may be the just the overwhelming. Aaron Rodgers aura there, but you know, at the same time you do have, you know, maybe just being polite, but Treader certainly seemed to be pretty impassioned at the idea of McCarthy. And I don't think like, I know a lot of people are like, well, Demarius Randall must hate the idea. It didn't sound like Demarius Randall hates the idea. So if you're saying again, I I have like 98% of the information I don't have. Like, all the questions like I was getting today, like asking why was Demarius Randall a corner? Why were they doing this, this, and this? These would be questions I hope John Dorsey is either asking now or has asked in the past and is getting you know answers that make you know make him feel good about it. But it, that's sort of where I'm at. I, I wish I had a more inspiring answer, but it's just there's no like the, it's not like the draft. It's not like free agency where you know we can rattle off all this information and have all these reasons that you know. You know, player A is better than player B. Exactly. Right. Like, I, like again, people always ask me like why I do things the way I do it. And it's 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 not what you believe; it's what you can prove. I'm totally ripping off a few good men, but it's a great line. I can do that with players. I can't do that with coaches. No, of course not. I, I mean, you know, and especially I mean, in you know, and the other thing as we get back to John Dorsey here. Look, at John doesn't give up any information. So there's not, you can say, look, there's GMs and there's front office people where you can listen to press press conferences and say, oh, there's a tell. And when he says this, he means this. You know, John's about as bland and vanilla as there is. So, you know, it's just, you know, you guys, it's no different than you guys listen to it. That is us. He's just not giving up information. It's just the way he rolls. Guys, Locked On Browns here. We're doing a mailbag edition here with Pete Smith. 
Uh, you know, tons of great questions to this point. We got a few more here before we close it out. Um, guys, as we head on in, like I said, uh, brought to you tonight by mybookie.com. Uh, we're going to have, you know, two games Saturday, two games Sunday, and then the following weekend, the same thing here. Uh, if you want to bet games, I do suggest using mybookie.com. They've been in business for years. Their online reviews are fantastic. The mobile site is clean and simple to use. Who you're betting with is almost as important as who you're betting on. Um, I would only recommend a site that has been good to me in the past. The bets I do make are through mybookie.com. Um, you win, they pay. It is that simple. They have in-game, live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarded playing per- player perks in the business. Um, mybookie.com is still slammed with the possible new me- uh, w- with prospective new members. Register your account after 7 p.m. Eastern. Get a free $25. Uh, use the promo code capital L, capital O, locked on 25. Visit mybookie online today. That is M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. Mybookieonline.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Now, Pete, the next one be would be here would be uh, directed towards the linebacker position. Um, and this is kind of, you know, me, who would be in, who would be out, and some perspective, I guess, you know, I mean, it's free agency draft. Um, I guess you start with Jamie Collins and Christian Kirksey. I mean, both guys making a ton of money. Uh, so go ahead and start with it there. Um, I think Jamie Collins has largely get, gotten a raw deal in terms of how good people think he is versus how good he actually is. But I don't think he's going to be here next year. I don't think. I don't know if Jamie Collins would be agreeable to the pay cut that this team would want him to take. Right, and that'd be that'd be that's an interesting question. If they'd even attempt to bridge that, my guess would be I agree. I think he would probably be like, "Nah, I'm good." Um, I'll go get ten million for one more year, and if that's it, it's it. Right. I mean, he he can go to Oakland and get a fat, you know. Yep. Fat payday for a couple of years. Like, look, that's and that. There's no shame in that. Chris Kirksey's going to be tougher. Uh, it just is. You can complain about his play the last couple of years, and especially this past year. I would say if you asked him, I would expect. I guarantee you, he said he he would definitely say I could have played a million times better. Well, I, I would say, yeah, I, I would say basically like he would say he was not as good as he needed to be, uh, and and. And what I don't know with Chris, Chris Kirksey is the amount of toll that is on his body. Reportedly, he is not in as bad a shape as it sounded like based on the injury. It sounds like he's relatively healthy now. Well, it almost kind of seemed like when they shipped him off, you know, I mean, there there was no design on where this rest of the season was headed, and I don't think anybody you know had any thoughts of going three and four, you know, th- you know, three out of four for the last four games. It just seemed it was the best decision at the time, and everyone was like, oh, okay, let's do this. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people like to complain that, you know, I, I'd love to trade Landry, and I would, um, but that, that you know, that's the problem is you're running into with Kirksey is he does make a ton of money. It's not easy to get out of. He's obviously got a ton of credibility in Cleveland, both in the locker room and outside of it. Um so much is going to depend on what his body can do. He is not who he was at, 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 when he came out of uh, Iowa, Iowa, at, where he was an absolute freaky athlete. Um, he has a ton of credibility as a leader, uh, and and certainly, I think maybe more than any other year. One, he has to sort of see the writing on the wall. Two, he has to understand. 
the expectations that are going to come on this year and the fact that they are looking to make a serious run and what that means to him and being who he is, I think this is going to be – and I, I, I would assume, I hope, I, I, I imagine he's got a plan for how to do it. That's the one where – like I know a lot of people are like, well, if we you know get a guy like Devin White, you know, he could either start over or play snaps for Chris Kirksey. And I understand why people think this. I just have a really hard time seeing them get, get Chris Kirksey off the field this year. Um, stranger things have happened. They could be really cold hearted with this, uh, and, and, and basically take my approach with Jarvis Landry. Uh, and, and I, you know, I couldn't argue with it. I'd hate it. I love, you know, Chris Kirksey, the player and the guy and everything he's met. But if that's the cold heart calculation they come, come up with and they, you know, improve the position, whether that's three free agency or the draft or whatever, it will be a difficult pill to swallow, much like it was with Alex Mack, that was free agency, a little bit different. Uh, but that's, you know, that's where that is. I My guess is he's back here and he's starting next year. Yeah, and, and look, it's, it's very rare when you find a guy who's on injury reserve and continues to pour his heart out into the community, and that is what Christian Kirksey does. A guy who sits there with his phone and records his rookie quarterback's press conferences because that's how into it he is. Even though you know he's only there on the sidelines, he's you know not truly part of it. So Christian Kirksey, it's the ultimate tough decision because he is that dude that you want to ride or die with. And but at the end of the day, there's guys who are looking at the financial numbers and saying, "Well, this is what we're paying Christian Kirksey. What exactly are we getting out of Christian Kirksey?" Um, I will continue to give you this free agent name of Dayon Buchanan. Um, I, I just when you say you want your linebacking core to get more athletic. Uh, Dayon's kind of been through a little bit of what Kirksey has been, not the extent, but a smart, smart fundamental player, um, equal to Joe Schobert, where he is a stickler for everybody being lined up where they are at. And look, the, the other thing here with this, guys, and as far as linebacker play is, like Pete said, nickel and dime, I mean, you're in it more than 50% of the time. Jabril Peppers, Derek Kindred, if these guys are here, this could be things they can do and Pete and I have been harping on this for goddamn now three months, guys. Um, now, Pete, this is one, obviously, I mean, you've been on this, I mean, literally since the draft ended and then the, you know, the undrafted free agency period ended, uh, defensive line. And um, this is, you know, do they trade up for a stud three tech? I don't know if you necessarily have to trade up because, I mean, if you meet, if you're looking three tech defensive tackle, in the first round of the 2019 NFL Draft. Well, this is good news. Because this is kind of... There's a lot. There should be a lot. Um, you know, you should be able to fix your D8 line in the first round. So I don't know so much trade up here, Pete. But, you know, obviously give a couple names. I mean, look, your, your favorite, obviously, you know, Ed Oliver. It's probably a pipe dream. Uh, Quentin Williams, who's done nothing but just literally skyrocket himself up the boards. You got to figure, you know, those two guys are probably gone top six, seven, and yes, drafting seventeenth, which seems weird to say, but there's still quality guys that could be around at seventeen, Pete. Uh, okay, let's work through this. Trading up, <laughs> it is a good year to trade up. Why? I don't think this is a good quarterback class. I do not see many answers here. Dwayne Haskins has the best chance, assuming he declares, and he's raw as hell. Uh, I, I I relate him a lot to Mitchell Trubisky. I think he is better served staying. 
Uh, the data is going to be completely for him. It's going to make him look like a superstar. Uh, and he's played, obviously, great. But the, he functions really, really well in the pocket. He cannot do anything outside it. It looks genuinely awful. Um, there's just a lot of work to do. I think he's got unbelievable talent. Uh, it's just a question of where he goes and who's going to handle it. I also think this is a year that's going to have a lot of chicken shit teams. Um, in terms of the quarterback, and the two I go to right now are Jacksonville uh, or uh, or New York, the Giants. Um, Jacksonville has Tom Coughlin, Dave Caldwell, etc., and they think they can win now. None of that, to me, suggests Dwayne Haskins is a good situation there. To me, they are a team that should be looking hard at guys like Derek Carr. Uh, they could be looking at guys like Ryan Tannehill, I guess. Well, there's no Joe reason F- Oakland's got five first-round picks in the next two drafts and is not going to look to address the quarterback position. I mean, it, it, it's blatantly obvious. Um, yeah, so look, it, it, they need to get – they do not need a Hall of Fame quarterback. Certainly, that'd be great. They just need something out of the quarterback position. Uh, they've got a defense. Uh, they've got some issues to sort out on the offensive side of the ball. But a quarterback would change everything. I don't think they're going to be willing to go that route. The New York Giants are a dumb franchise right now, and they keep insisting that Eli Manning is their quarterback next year. Pat Shermer is a dipshit coach. Dave Gettleman is a terrible GM. Both should be fired now. Will probably be fired next year. They need to win. They are not going to win, but they're going to keep trying to win. And they're going to lie to their fan base and tell them they're going to deliver wins with Eli Manning or a bridge. Joe Flacco makes a ton of sense for them. And they're going to put this off. And they're going to try to win right now with Saquon Barkley, with Odell Beckham. They may, they're going to hopefully try to improve their offensive line and try to win. I think they will bail on quarterback. So both Jacksonville and New York strike me right now as teams that would like to trade down and get more assets, potentially load up for 2020 for a quarterback that year. Um, So that makes it cheaper. You're not getting into a situation where it's like Josh Allen trading up or Sam Darnold trading up type stuff. But you also cannot end up doing what uh, Jacksonville did and trade up for a Florida defensive end and give up two first-round picks for a dude who can't play dead. Uh, Derek Harvey, I believe his name was. Uh, (laughs) And I don't know if the Saints' return on investment is good enough to warrant the move they made. Certainly, it all depends on price. I, you know, there could be a deal where you sit there. I'd Oliver sitting there, and you go, "Oh man, seventh pick. We'll we'll jump up there and make this deal because it's not cost prohibitive." In general, I would say this class is going to be too damn good, too damn deep to bother with it. And you, be, you're best being a patient buyer because there's just an unbelievable amount of defensive tackles. They obviously have to test well uh, athletically, but I mean. The, the amount of guys in this class that could fit what the Browns need, and a lot will depend on who their defensive coordinator is. So, like, if Greg Williams is still here, then you're probably getting really excited about Draymond Jones because that's exactly the type of guy he wants, or he would be a guy who absolutely drools over a guy like Ed Oliver. 
if you're getting another type of guy who wants a more of a wall than a guy like Jerry Tillery, who yep. Jeff is now on board with, uh, I, I've loved for a while becomes a really nice option or a guy like Gerald Willis, the third could be an option in that respect or a guy like Christian Wilkins. If his arms are long enough um, there, it, it, so much is going to be determined by what they want to be defensively. Like if they want to protect Joe Schobert and say, we want you to be like Ray Lewis a little bit and we want to protect you and let you fly around and do that. Meanwhile, if they want to you know, penetrate gaps and go right now, that, that's a different deal. So, Yes, there's a path where they could trade up. In general, I would say no. And I also think free agency could help more so to get other teams out of the market. But I do think this could be a buyer's market simply because I'm not sure teams are going to be paying a ton of money for free agent defensive tackles because they're looking ahead to the draft. Certainly a possibility there. Uh, McCoy from Tampa Bay could be a guy who, you know, they just end up unloading, you know, just unloading. And he's a guy that could go that route. Um, Pete won't bring up the name Jeffrey Simmons, but guys, he's going to be a name that probably could be very well connected with Cleveland. Um, John Dorsey will not look past the incident um, with Jeffrey Simmons. So now you're talking six, seven deep at the position. The thing I like uh, about Tillery, and I remember going back to this, I was in an Atlantic City hotel room the day after Thanksgiving. was down there with my daughter and her friends for the birthday and watching Tillery. The thing with Tillery is he's got some quickness. He's got some, uh, you know, basically able to burst through a gap. But the other thing is he's a big, long dude, and the arms are long. Kind of gives me a little vibe of Steve McClendon from the from the Jets. And if you got a guy who can do that type of stuff, and Larry Ogunjobi, who's better at that stuff, it makes for a nice, nice pairing. And you don't have to worry about Tillery going top 12, top 13, top 14, top 15. I don't think he's going to test off the wall, which is going to you know put him into that range. But even still, if he does go that high... Other guys are going to fall. There, There is a lot of interior defensive line depth here. And we're going to get into this as the months go on. But it's, you know, this is, if that's what you want first round, it is a perfect pairing, especially with pick 17. And trading up, I mean, look, if there's a shot at Quinn Williams, if there's a shot at Ed Oliver, I mean, yeah, by all means, go ahead and shoot your shot. I mean, because you're not going to make all 11 draft picks here this year, even if you do make all 11 of them. The last three, most likely, I mean, you're hoping at best they're practice squad players for Cleveland because there's not going to be the room for them. So find some way that, you know, if it gets down to a seven or eight player draft class, at least get yourselves, you know, your hands on guys that have a legitimate chance to make this roster. Uh, guys, we've done the Lockdown Browns mailbag uh, you know, episode here. Um, again, happy new year to everybody. Uh, Pete Smith, all the work over at NFL Spin Zone. Pete, uh, anything else you want to close with here, buddy? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, you know, if you're if you're looking at receivers, uh, you know, you're probably watching this game right now. But uh, you know, I expect he's going to declare, and I expect he's going to go later than maybe he should. Uh, be a guy like L.J. Humphrey. I'm not going to call him Lil Jordan. I'm just not. He's L.J. Humphrey to me. But he's, oof, he's a big, strong kid who gets the ball in his hands and he can do stuff with it. Well, and that's, you know, this is, that seems to be another guy that everybody seems to be calling for here. And, you know, I kind of call him the gazelle wide receivers. But if that's what you're looking for, this is another spot where there's five, six, seven of those guys. So it's not something you really got to get on that early, Pete. No. And that's the thing is like every year. Emmanuel Hall is another one, you know. Every year we go through this and, and they, I get, you know, I get this guy will never be here. This guy's gone in the first round, whatever. And like, 
They just keep sitting there because there's so many of them, and maybe some of them go early, but there are always guys sitting there where you pick, and a guy like Chris Godwin, who I had the best receiver in that class, ends up in the bottom of the second round. Like Those type of things happen, and there's going to be a lot of guys like that, and there's not really a at least right this second, not a surefire first-round pick, at least to me. I know some people like the you know, the, the kid from Ole Miss, uh, DK Metcalf. That's fine. Uh, you know, Marquise Hollywood, Hollywood uh, Brown could certainly end up in that conversation. I think he's Deshaun Jackson uh, cloned. And, you know, Dar- Daniel Jeremiah doesn't know he's stealing my tweets, but he's stealing my tweets. Uh, but <laughs> – the, the bottom line is there there is no such thing as a bad receiver class because so many teams run four and five receiver sets that they, that there are just so many guys. Like, I don't know how many people until they may have stumbled on, assuming they even watched it, Minnesota in the bowl game who had any idea who yep. Tyler Johnson was. And he was an absolute force in that game, and he's got elite production. Or the kid at Nebraska, Stanley Morgan Jr., who's another yak machine, who's strong and goes up for the football, and does a lot of things that looks like they're they're attractive to a guy like Baker Mayfield. So, or the kid, at, all, or the kid at Buffalo. So you just keep going on and on and on and on. Yes, one of my missions is assuming he's at the Senior Bowls to find out what his birthday is because if he's if he's gonna be right, he's gonna be right in that mix. But yeah, there's <laughs> just so many, and they're gonna have opportunities, and 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 like. The one thing I don't want to hear, and I still get it, is rookie receivers aren't going to help you that much. Have you seen Antonio Callaway this year? Like, he's been doing things. He actually led the team in receiving touchdowns. And there's any number of receivers who have helped their teams as rookies. DJ Moore, Michael Gallup. There's a lot of them this year. Like, I understand the thought process. Generally, they take a while to develop. Sure. Baker Mayfield accelerates your development because if you're open, he's going to get you the ball. So work hard. Do stuff. He'll find you. So don't shy away. That doesn't mean take one in the first round, but it just means, look, you're going to be able to find stuff. Uh, there's always going to be receivers, and may, some may not work, but you keep adding talent and hoping for the best. Yeah, I mean, you're not, you're, you're not, you know, I mean, if you're going to look at it as a meal, you're not providing the meat. You're just providing some of, you know, the small ingredients that go along with it. Uh, Baker's going to be fine, guys. It, you know, he could find a couple guys off the street and still produce like he does. Uh, Locked on Browns. Uh, Pete Smith, guys, go ahead and follow all the work that he does over there. Uh, you've already seen the shift to the offseason. Uh, it worked from Pete over at NFL Spin Zone. The Locked on Browns Twitter account, we always keep it follow back. Anything you guys need, uh, you know, send a DM over there, send a tweet over there. We are you know quick to respond over there. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, we appreciate everything you guys done for us. Like I mentioned earlier, iTunes. I'm sorry, Len, uh, the iTunes rating of views, those are always appreciated. Uh, anything you need uh, NFL-wise from the Locked On NFL Net Instagram account, Locked On NFL Net Twitter account, uh, everything that is done through any of these shows is funneled through those accounts. So, guys, keep your eyes on that. If you know For any information you're looking for, obviously, as far as we get into the playoffs here, you know, I mentioned with mybookie.com, if you're looking to bet games this weekend, uh, you know, I usually prefer to bet the playoff games because, look, I mean, you don't have much else going on. You're able to just sit down and kind of enjoy it and watch it all as it plays out. Um, uh, guys, we're going to continue to work. Uh, nothing's going to change here. Uh, the product is in demand. You guys are in demand uh, for you know solid things to listen to. Uh, Cavaliers aren't giving you much right now. Uh, the Indians are looking like they're doing everything they can to give me give you maybe a mediocre summer. And uh, Lockdown Browns is going to continue to push out quality content day in, day out, week in, week out as we start you know getting now that we have our feet wet into the off season. Uh, as we always say, when we put a wrap on things here at uh, Locked On Browns, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>